Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. And no, you didn't know who you were going to have for a speaker, and I'm glad that you're able to be here to this church service. I appreciate uh, not only being in, in Las Vegas to actually stick around for a few days. I figured out this. I figured out. I've been thinking for the last year or so. How is it that Nebraska? How is it that Nevada, especially Las Vegas, could be so a hockey country? You know what I'm saying? Like, what happened in this last year that made this place such a hockey nation? I'll tell you what it is. You're all looking for ice. <laughs> That's what's going on. I'll tell you, it must be what it is. Anyway, I sure appreciate uh, the Tice family. We've had several of them out to our ministry. And uh, I got thinking about this as I grabbed one of your tracks here. I looked at it and I looked at one of my tracks and it's like, where'd that come from? You know, it's like, anyway, somebody borrowed from somebody. I'm not sure how that worked exactly. But uh, we've had actually Neil and Charity have been out to our church. They taught our people about how to work with children. I appreciate that. And then we've had Matt Tice out a few times. I appreciate him. And then we've also had Pastor Tice and his wife out as well. And so we've kind of gotten to know some of them and still friends. Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. So we do appreciate the Tice family and uh, appreciate your ministry. I've never been here, but I'm glad to be able to come and see what God is doing in this place. I appreciate the nice motel accommodations, the car, and the love offering and the snacks and all the... Neil has been my host and he's been great and so I appreciate that. Um, We are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to Romans chapter 12 to start with. We're going to use our Bible a little bit tonight. And, you know, um, I've been thinking about the Holy Spirit of God. He's the the quiet part of the Trinity, if you know what I mean. Um, But he's not certainly any weakness involved with that. When I think about Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. When you had the Spirit of God come upon a place, things happened. And you know, I think about this ministry, no doubt the Spirit of God, God's hand has been upon this ministry and I'm thankful for the testimony of what God has done here in this place and I want that at our church. When we think about our own personal lives, the Holy Spirit of God, first of all, He's the one that saves us. He's the one that quickens us, makes us come alive. We're using the Word of God and the Gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He quickens us. He makes us born again. He's the one that sparks that and gets us saved. We're thankful for that. He not only saves us, but He also sanctifies us. And He uses the Word of God and He sanctifies us and makes us less and less like the world and more and more like Christ. And we're thankful for that. I'm thankful that He seals us. I'm thankful that He's God has prepared for the day of redemption, and we're thankful for that. I'm thankful that he's our comforter. You know, when you go through difficult times, you definitely need a comforter. You need someone to be there when everybody else has abandoned you. You need someone to be there through the difficult times. And the Holy Spirit of God, I encourage you to use the Holy Spirit of God. And he's certainly one that wants to encourage us. We certainly ought not to grieve him. He wants to encourage us. Let's not discourage our encourager. He controls us. We ought to be led by Him. We ought to be filled with Him. We ought to be so filled with Him that each step of our life is led by Him, or what we say, where we go, what we do. And I'm thankful that He wants to lead us. And by the way, don't you think that God has a better path than we do? The backslider should be filled with what ways? His own ways. But when we have the Holy Spirit, He can guide us and lead us in life. 
and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he can produce fruit. He produces the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And we think about those fruits, you know, love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, all these different fruits that he produces in us. You know, we couldn't do that on our own. Some of you guys, I know what you were like probably before you were saved. You're a bunch of rednecks around here, you know, a bunch of people that, you know, just the people that, uh, ungodly, no doubt. But God saved you, and now you've got long-suffering. Now you've got love. Now you've got self-control, temperance, and it's the Holy Spirit that helps with that. Certainly want a desire to be led and empowered by God. He empowers us. Who gives us the power to witness for our Savior? It's Jesus. We're endued with power from on high, and he gives us the opportunity to witness. We ought to certainly be spiritually-minded Christians, and God wants us to be that. And I'm so, so thankful. You know, he's powerful. He's like wind. You can't see him, but you see the results. We see, though, he's also like a dove and so, 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 so tender and so gentle with us, and I'm thankful for that. He's like fire that can come and consume but he's just, he's just also like oil that can lubricate and can heal. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit of God. So we got the Holy Spirit. We got the gift of the Holy Spirit when we got saved. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. The Bible says that Peter said this. He said, he said repent and be baptized, Acts 2, 38. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. When we got saved, we got the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. Our body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we're thankful for that. When it said there, um, be baptized, every one of you, for the, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, that word for there means because, because the remission of sins. It's actually translated that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, that same Greek word that we are, are saved, but we are baptized for we've been saved, because we've been saved, you get the idea. And we're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, he said. So when we got saved, we get the Holy Spirit of God. We receive that gift. You know, I'm going to talk about gifts today, and there are a few kids in here, and I'm going to say right now that you can have some more gifts. God wants to give you some more gifts. You've already been given the gift of salvation if you're saved, but you've also been gift, given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you also have other gifts, and that's what I want to talk about tonight in this little bit of time, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We want our lives to bring glory to God. We want our churches. We want our homes to bring glory to God. And God wants to equip us and use us to be able to accomplish those purposes that he has for us. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to jump over here to verse number, let's start at verse number um, 4. Romans chapter 12, verse number 4. He talks about gifts. He says, For as we have many members in one body... And all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. These are some of the gifts, and we'll go over these a little bit later in the lesson here tonight. Verse number 8, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And so he lists some of these gifts. Now, like many things in the Christian life, these basically are gifts that are like tools, all right? God equips us. He gives us tools. Um, I used to farm, 
I've done a lot of construction work. We, uh, when my sons were teenagers and even after, we flipped houses and got into all that type of thing. And so I understand a little bit about construction. Now, what's the best thing to, you know, pound in a, like, you know, eight penny nail or something like that? Uh, probably if you just have a nail, you probably want just a simple what? Hammer. A hammer and nail work pretty well together. We understand that's how that works. But what happens if you don't have a hammer? Well, if you don't have a hammer and you just have one nail to pound in, what do you do? You grab a tape measure, you grab the end of a saw, you take the end of a drill, whatever it is, you're just whacking away at it. You maybe take off your shoe, whatever the case is. You do whatever you can to get that nail into the spot you want it to go because you don't happen to have the tool that you were supposed to use. But, you know, getting something done is better than getting nothing done. So far too often I believe this. I believe that God's work gets done simply by willing, can I call us this, tools. If you're a willing tool, I'll guarantee you there's going to be a job for you. It's going to be something for you to do in the cause of Christ. But if God can actually use the tools in the way that they're designed to be used, wouldn't that be much better? If he actually could use the people that have this certain gift here to do the certain job that fit with that gift, the square peg and the square I was going to say square hole. That doesn't work very well, does it? Square pig in the square, you know what I'm trying to say, or the round, in the round hole, you get the idea. Have you ever heard the expression, being in the right seat on the bus? Have you ever heard that expression? A lot of times used in business world and so forth, where you want to have the right person doing the right thing. Um, now, we don't have a, you know, major league of anything in Nebraska. <laughs> we have nothing. We have we have Creighton basketball, which is fun to watch at times. They went, you know, final 16 or whatever it was, final 8, I think they got to this year. They did really well. We got this one guy, seven foot one, Ryan Kalkbrenner, all right? So, you know, I know once in a while, like if you're playing for Denver Nuggets or something, you might use your center to bring up the ball, but most of the time you don't have the seven foot one guy bringing the ball up. You know what I'm saying? You get a fast little guard that's really a good ball handler, and that's the guy that brings the ball up because they're better equipped for that. You use the seven foot one guy to stand underneath the bucket and just dunk it all the time. You know, that's what your block shots and so forth. So you get the idea. Well, here's the question I have. Okay, so you're here a part of this church. If you're a guest here today, thank you for coming. I hope you come back to hear the real deal and get the real, you know, pastor and so forth here. But I appreciate you being here tonight. And there's no accident that you're here. But I want to just remind us that we all have a purpose in this church. In this particular local church, what are you doing for the cause of Christ in your local church? Now, every team needs some people on the bench, you know, ready to go in the game when they need to go into the game. But far too often, there are a lot of bench sitters in local churches. Can I put it that way? I don't mean to be unkind to you today, but you're, if you're a typical church, I don't think you're typical. I think you're a far better church than a lot of churches. But the average church today has got a lot of people sitting on the bench and a few people doing the work. You've heard the old 80-20. 80% of the work getting done by 20% of the people. I don't think that's your church. It's not our church. not what we strive for at all. But the church has many members, many body parts, and each has a role. And we should all be working together for the common purposes of the Lord's work in the purpose of the body and the organization. Now, the church in Corinth needed a lot of teaching. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, if you would, to chapter 12 here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In the church in Corinth, we know a little bit about it. It had its issues, including 
the issue of how they use their spiritual gifts and the misuse, if you could, also of spiritual gifts. They actually thought many times they were very, very spiritual, but many times they were not actually as spiritual as they thought they were. They might have had spiritual gifts that maybe, maybe they had the spiritual gift of pride. You know what spiritual gift of pride looks like? The ability to overlook shortcomings in themselves. <laughs> Some of us might have that gift as well. Um, they were actually very liberal in their tolerance for sin. They had this weird immoral behaviors going amongst church members. They wanted to give, we want to give mercy, understand, but boy, they were given like mercy that was like weird because they thought that they were so spiritual because they were tolerant. Um, churches that violate the scriptures are not tolerant. They're just wrong. All right, just, you know, put it like that. Um, maybe they had the spiritual gift of criticism or complaining and um, usually based on their ideas of excellence often exercised from the sidelines. That's just how that works. Um, some of us even have the gift, like maybe they did, of revenge, doing unto others more than they have done to you. <laughs> That's not very good. Um, they were speaking in tongues, you know, in unknown tongues, and they were trying to act like they, that made them really spiritual. In fact, there are three chapters on the confusion on that issue, and I may touch on that a little bit later. But let's read verse number 1 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. I kind of like how sometimes the honesty of, like Paul, you know, you, you're following those dumb idols. <laughs> I just like that a lot. Verse number three. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So be careful. You maybe should know what you're saying. But verse number four, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. And so I love that word diversity because if you look around even in this church, this is a diverse church just like all churches should be. There are old ones, young ones, uh, tall ones, short ones, skinny ones, opposite of skinny. There, there are young, there are, you get the idea. And I love the diversity. I will say this, God made you uniquely you. And don't ever despise that. God knew exactly who you were going to be, exactly what you were going to look like, exactly your skin color, your hair color, and all of it. And so be glad that God made you you. God is actually very much honoring individuality. I believe that one problem we see in the society we're living in is, well, we need to be grouped into the same thing. No, we're not. We're all unique. We're, everybody is unique, and we have individual gifts and abilities. Anyway, there's diversity of, of administrations of these gifts and operations of them. Verse number seven, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I'm going to make an announcement that may shock you tonight, but your church is a for-profit organization. You say, wait a minute, I think we're tax exempt. I think we're supposed to be a non-profit organization. Yeah, but if, if, if you're not profiting anybody, what are you doing here? Churches are, I'm not talking about for-profit making millions of dollars. I'm talking about you better be profiting something. You better be profiting somebody. Doesn't this church profit you personally and profit your family personally? It does, doesn't it? Certainly it should, and it does. We are here to profit, and our gifts are given to us to profit. It should profit. We should give real-life help. You know, the world does not always know how to have a marriage. They don't know how to have a family. 
They don't sometimes know how to really live. I like what Bob Jones Sr. used to say. He said, at our college, we don't teach people how to make a living. We teach them how to live. If they know how to live, they'll have no problem making a living. Isn't that good? And I believe that's true. The Bible, God's instruction, handbook for life, and it tells us how to live. And you have the ability to have the Word of God taught and studied and meditated on through this ministry, not just know how to make a living, but teach us how to live. It is for profit. Verse number 8, it goes on to say this, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Again, it's the Spirit of God that gives these gifts. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of the tongues. Verse number 11, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing every man severally as he will. You realize what that verse is saying? You can have more than one gift. I believe everybody that gets saved gets at least one spiritual gift and has at least one spiritual gift. But I believe that we can have more. And the kids that are in here today, we may not know exactly what your gifts are, but I believe that there is something that you should consider, and that is praying for and desiring spiritual gifts, more than one even. I'll get to that in a little bit later. But verse number 18, it says this, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And so God equips and places people where he wants them to be. Um, I met John back here, and he came from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, back in the 70s, and just perfect timing how God, the church was getting started here, and all of a sudden, just the match is made, and that's a God story. That's what that's called. That's a God story. And certainly, we want God to be involved in every aspect of our life. Now, God equips, like I said, and places people in the body exactly where they should be. So each part is necessary. Some people would not want to stand up in front of a group of people and teach or preach. Um, for whatever reason, that's one of my callings. I hope I'm gifted at least a little bit to do it, but that's what God has called me to do. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she hates that. I mean, people ask her all the time, do you go to ladies' conferences and speak at ladies' conferences? And she's a good speaker, but she hates it. She just hates it. You know what she'd like to do? I will go take care of the babies in the nursery. That's exactly my gift. And by the way, aren't we glad there's somebody taking care of the babies in the nursery that actually wants to do that? <laughs> That's kind of nice because I don't want to do that. Probably you don't want to do that. I'm glad somebody wants to do that and they're gifted that way. Verse 21, let's start over here. And I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more... Those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lack, lacked, that there be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. I love that passage that says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. That's what a church is about. And we all are a body. We work together. Verse 27, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. 
So each part is necessary. Look at verse number 31. But covet earnestly and the best gifts, and yet, sh uh, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So here's what I mentioned, kids. You know, you ought to, this is one, this is the only place I see in the Bible that you are to covet. The Bible tells us you are to covet spiritual gifts. Covet the best gifts. This, covet, that's a pretty strong word. Usually we think of it in a very bad connotation. But this way he said, no, you should desire that. You should have an appetite for it. Let's go on down to chapter 14. Switch over to chapter 14. Similar thing is given. He says in verse number one, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Desire spiritual gifts. So he says, this is something I want you to do. Now, so if you're a kid in here, or if you're a teenager, or even a young adult, and you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, start asking God to give you several. God, I want to have, and as we're going to go through some of the gifts, really briefly, we're going to go through a lot of the gifts that are kind of mentioned in the Bible here. I want you to think about it. Do you know your gift? And if you see one that you think, I'd like to have that gift, why don't you ask God, God, could you give me that gift? I would like that. And certainly, God's not going to give all of us all the gifts, but it does say, according to my Bible, we're to covet earnestly the best gifts, and we're supposed to desire spiritual gifts. Isn't that what the Bible said? It's black and white right there. So we should desire spiritual gifts. He talked about the tongues thing and prophesy. In verse number 5, in chapter 14, he said, I would rather that you spake with tongues, but rather that ye all prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speak of the tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. We know a little bit about the church in Corinth, that they had this thing about people speaking in tongues and so forth. And Paul said, look, I speak in tongues more than you all. He knew like a lot of languages, and that's why he was able to do that. But, you know, really the true speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2 was somebody that actually spoke and the people heard them in their language, which they didn't even know the language, and that's kind of the miracle that took place there. But the whole goal of it, verse number 12, jump over here if you would, it says, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. So the idea there is that everything that's done ought to bring edification or it ought to build up the believers in the church. Now evangelism it's not necessarily it's a gift, it's a command, right? The Great Commission, that's not just, oh, I don't have the gift of witnessing to people. No, all of us have been given that command. That's a command. So that's not what we're talking about. Everybody is to be a witness. And some are better at it than others, I understand, but there's somebody that you can reach that I will never reach. And there's somebody you should give a gospel tract that I will never see or know. And so let's just all do our part. Let's get the gospel out the best we can and let God use all that and, and, and deal with that. But as far as actually the gifts of the, of, are used for the church to be edified and built up so they can do the work of evangelism, so they can fulfill the Great Commission, see people saved, baptized, and their lives changed by, taught the scripture, by being taught the scriptures. Now, again, do you know your spiritual gifts? Uh, there are tests that are given. I don't know if the church, I should have asked uh, Neil, where did he go to? Is he, does he go to church? Oh, there he is back there. Okay. <laughs> do you guys have a spiritual gifts test at all or not? Uh, you, you do. Nods his head. Yeah. So, so if you'd like to find out your spiritual gifts, you know, they have a test and it gives kind of an idea. I've taken about three or four of them. They all come back pretty much the same. I'm low in these areas, high in these areas. You don't want to know where I'm low. I'm a pastor. I'm low on mercy. Isn't that sad? It's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty, okay, let's go on. All right, so, <laughs> but some of the gifts listed, I'm going to go ahead and put these on the screen and give you my definition, okay? This is the Wix definition. So, you know, I go back to somebody put something in a book and they're no older or smarter than I am because I'm old and 
I think I'm smart now anyway. So there we go. Let's just call it my definition. So prophecy, let's look at these definitions. The prophecy definition, the ability to proclaim truth, to make an effect, to edify, to exhort, and encourage. So the ability to proclaim truth, the prophecy is proclaim truth, to make an effect, to edify, to exhort, to get people to do something, to encourage, to be able to comfort with the scriptures. That's what I think prophecy is all about. Prophesy is a little bit different because prophesy is when you like are predicting things in the future and that's not really what we're talking about here. The gift of teaching, let's go on. The gift of teaching is the ability and desire to present truth in a systematic way so other people can learn. There's some folks that can teach, and boy, they just do such a good job. It's masterful how they just take the thought, they put it together, and they package it well, and people can learn. And by the way, there are some that have the gift of teaching for two-year-olds, some for elementary children, some for teenagers. And so middle school, we haven't figured anybody out that can... No, that was, that was pretty mean. That was terrible. That was not nice. But, but you get the idea. Some are really well with adults. Some are well with senior citizens. But we've been, some have been given the gift of teaching. How about the gift of, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of package them together, ministry and helps. Ministry and helps, you know, here, here's what that, I, I would say what that is. The ability to see needs and the desire to meet them. You know what I think a real good definition of ministry is? Ministry is simply this. Find a person's greatest need and help them with it. You want to be in ministry, find a person's greatest need and help them with it. It's pretty simple, isn't it? But again, do you desire? Would you desire to have that kind of a gift? No, no I don't want to say, I don't, I, I don't want to notice. I don't want to notice all the people with their problems because I don't have time for that. Well, yeah, be careful about that. But maybe you've got other gifts, I understand. But some, this might be, hey, I want to be able to, I want to, be able to meet needs of people. That's a great gift. How about this? The gift of exhortation. The gift of exhortation. The ability to motivate and encourage people. Just this, you know, rah-rah, cheerleader type of person. How about the gift of giving? The gift is the gift of the ability, is the ability and desire to give as the Lord prompts, being frugal and careful with money so that you will be able to give. We had a man in our church years ago, years ago, and he had this small little house he was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, although he didn't look it. Some of you know, these, these are, they're not, that's not a low rating. He, he, he retired at a, whatever it was, he was a colonel or some sort. I don't know what he was exactly. But, you know, he was, he was, he was so modest in his whole living and everything about it. But yet, it was like a super big, like he said, hey, I think you need this. I said, well, I don't know if I need that. I don't know if I need that expensive one. What are you doing? You buy me this really expensive thing. And he gave it to the church because he felt we needed it. And you never thought he would have had the money for that, but he was just that kind of a giver. And, um, but, you know, the Bible teaches us that we're all to give. Again, I don't want to ever feel like, okay, I don't know if I've got the gift of giving. The Bible tells us, Malachi 3, verse 8, familiar verses, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And he said, In tithes and offerings. Verse 9, You're cursed with a curse. You rob me, even this whole nation. So I will say this, tithing is for everybody. You don't have to wait to have the gift of giving to tithe. I don't believe that at all. I think gift giving goes way above the tithe and certainly intentional. Usually they're very careful with their money, so they want to be purposeful. You know, a lot of kinds of giving out there. There's the sporadic giving, you know, they're like, you know, oh, there's a missionary, I've got to give, or, or, you know, there's that kind of thing. But I like the systematic, I like the, like, you know, let's purpose it, let's purpose our missions giving, let's purpose certain things. I think that's very healthy and good. I, I've got to get off that subject for now. There's the gift of ruling in governments, 
And that's somebody that's got the ability, administration you might say, ability to visualize results, organize and administrate big projects into small projects, delegate while tolerating people. Now that's a trick in itself. But motivating and enduring until the job is done. So this guy that's got this gift of administration, they can get these things done. Now faith could be part of that gift, of course, but let's talk about faith. Faith is the ability to organize substance with hope and trust in God. Um, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we, we know that faith puts those things together. I've often said if I have, like, for example, a cookie sheet and some flour and some sugar and some chocolate chips, it may not be long before I have, what, some chocolate chip cookies because I can see that. It's all putting those things together. And that's just, by the way, you know who had faith here? Pastor Tice had faith. I don't know exactly what he saw, but years and years ago, he saw something. And he just obeyed and stayed with it. And he saw it and he organized it and got it put together. I'm thankful for that. Mercy, the gift is to the ability to empathy, have empathy, compassion, concern for other people. Uh, in our church, we have a prayer, a prayer team. So when a big need comes through, we give a text out to the prayer team and say, hey, this, this person's going through a tough time. And, and I encouraged our mercy. I, I took everybody that had the high gift of mercy, and I said, okay, you've got this gift. Now, you follow up with that. You're the ones that are going to follow up with that to make sure that, you know, those people are encouraged and know they're cared for and prayed for um, and just, you know, feel the empathy and go through it with them. Knowledge is the ability to receive and retain information. Certain people have a great ability there. Wisdom, the ability to use knowledge practically. By the way, soul winners ought to be wise, right? Just take the simple gospel and give it to people. Healing, the ability to heal physical needs. Many doctors and nurses even today have some of that touch there to be able to do that. Miracles, the ability to do a miracle. Discerning of spirits, the ability to perceive good and bad spirits. Some have an antenna. Some just have an antenna. Uh, they really do, and I'm thankful for them. Um, the tongues, the ability to speak in another language, empowered by the Holy Spirit, without previous study of that, of that language, and maybe it's, maybe it's ceased from this day that we're living in. If God wants to do it, I, I'll let him do it, of course, but um, I don't think it's typical like what it was in the book of Acts. Encouragement, the ability and desire to encourage others. And again, there are a lot more. These are just some that are mentioned in, um, in Romans and so forth. So, in verse number 18, again, well, we already saw that, that God equips people. So I want to do this. I want to talk about this. I've got just like 15 minutes to give you the message, but this is, what, this is where I'm going with this thing. I want to ask a question. When are spiritual gifts not spiritual? Because I'm going I'm to propose to you, these are all great gifts, would you agree? Great gifts. We ought to desire, we ought to covet these gifts. But when are they not spiritual? When spiritual gifts are not spiritual? Number one, Spiritual gifts are not spiritual when we don't use them. Again, we get at least one when we get saved. And I have a question. Are you using your spiritual gift right now? Are you using it through this local church? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, the admonition was given to Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Now, I understand there's going to be a day you may not be able to physically do everything you used to be able to do. I understand that. But Jesus says, now's the time to use them. If you physically can, use them now. And use them in your local church. 
You know, the word church is given in the Bible. 90 plus times the word church is used. It refers to the local body of believers, to the church at Philippi, the church at Corinth, and so forth. And we would say to the church at Liberty here, use your spiritual gifts. You may have all of the gifts. You may have, you could just say, yep, got that one, got that one, got that one, got that one. But if you're not using them for God's glory, those spiritual gifts are not very spiritual. Make sense? I got a second time that they're not very spiritual. And that's when we are not spiritual. Does that make sense? So, spiritual gifts, we don't use them. That's one problem, but what happens if we have spiritual gifts, but we're not spiritual? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you would. Go back to 13. You realize that chapter 13 is between chapter 12 and chapter 14? You realize you came here for knowledge tonight, right? I mean, this is, this is just so amazing, isn't it? But it is true, even this church had spiritual gifts, or what they thought were spiritual gifts, but he's saying this in chapter 13. What's chapter 13 all about? You know what it is. It's a chapter on what? Love, love, charity. Not that charity. Uh, anyway. Look at, verse number, look at verse number one of chapter 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He said all you become is just noise at that point. You're just noise. Bang, 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 bang. I don't see any symbols up here. You might have them, but at our church, I have some symbols over the side. One day, I went over to the side, and I just took a thing, and I just, for a few minutes, just bang, 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 bang. I said, that's how some of you, that's how your wife sounds like, bang. Anyway, no, that, no, just say, sometimes we just get this broken record of just, you know, we're just beating the same old thing, and we're just, we're just going nowhere with it. Look at verse 2. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, and have all knowledge. These are some of those spiritual gifts. Though I have all faith that I could move, remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. You don't have Christ-like love. You don't have the fruit of the Spirit. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. We're not very spiritual. We may have all the spiritual gifts in the world, but we've got to have some spirituality that goes along with it. Do we help people, minister to them, to be seen of men, to get a pat on the back? See, that's not really the motive why we should minister. And we shouldn't, whatever it is, we shouldn't do anything for recognition. Um, I appreciate people at our church, just like yours, we've got people that, you know, pull the weeds, we've got people that fix the baptistry, we got people that do the carpentry work and do the repairs and all kinds of things that are behind the scenes. Wipe the baby's bottoms as we talk about and all these different things. But here's the thing, again, I love that, that they just do it because this is their gift. This is what God has equipped them to do and this is what they can do for God. I love that. But if we're not spiritual, we might get the wrong motive of why we're doing what we're doing. Why didn't pastor notice that? Why didn't anybody say anything about that? I've been doing this. You get to almost a Martha syndrome. You know what I'm talking about? Just like, you know, over and over again, just you, it, it gets old. The person with knowledge, you know, 
uh, I don't know if your church has got some like this, but my church does. They, they know a lot of Bible, but nobody wants to listen to them because they're jerks. <laughs> does that make sense? It's sad because if we don't have humility and yielded to the Spirit of God or filled with the Spirit of God, don't have the fruits of the Spirit of God, no matter how much knowledge you have of the Bible, nobody cares. In fact, you might turn more people off by your lifestyle and your, your spirit that goes along with it. It's maybe a spirit of pride or whatever the case may be. So be careful about that. You know, preachers, preachers can preach in the flesh. I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, you know, I don't study. He said, I don't pray. And I'm just up here and I can get people to come to the altar and weep and I can just do it. And I thought, what in the world? That sounds very weird. Well, just let me give you the rest of the story. He also is not in the ministry anymore. You know, he, he, he rode that coattail for just a little while. His gift, he had the gift, but he wasn't very spiritual. Sooner or later, his lack of spirituality caught up with him and now he's not in the ministry. I appreciate those that use social media. I think, that, I think it can be a great tool. But here's the thing. Be spiritual if you do it. Be careful what you say, how you say it, what you, what you say. Because, and by the way, use proper grammar too. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, just a thought, you know. So, um, well anyway, when spiritual gifts are not spiritual, number one, when we don't use them. Number two, when we're not spiritual. We can have all the gifts in the world, but if we're not spiritual, and let's, let, let's open up our hearts just a little bit tonight. This is a Wednesday night crowd. You're, you're good people. You're faithful people. But like, like me, you can sometimes go through motions where you're doing it. You're, you're using your gift. But have you read your Bible? Have you told the Lord you loved him? How's your real walk with God? Are you looking at things you shouldn't look at? You know, there are a lot of secret Christians doing things that they shouldn't be doing. It's very, very sad. It'll eventually catch up with them, which is very sad, but, I mean, it, it happens, but it shouldn't be that way. We should be as just raw and real and honest before God. We need you. I need you every hour, God. I need you. God, I need you. I've been preaching now for 35 years. You know what I told God? Many, many times I prayed for this meeting. God, I, I need you to help me to help that church. I want to help the church. I'm not a great speaker. I'm not a dynamic speaker, but I want to help the church. I want God to work through. You get the idea. We, we need God. We need God. Don't we need God? How about number three? When spiritual gifts are not spiritual, when we don't use them, when we are unspiritual, but number three is just as dangerous, when we use them with no regard for God's work. I understand that not everyone is to be in full-time ministry. I understand that. I believe that everybody ought to be a full-time Christian, Right? And I believe there are some that are called into full-time ministry. The labors have always been few. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors. I could hire two families right now plus other people to help in the school. If we had the right labors, we would hire more people at our church to work at our church. We have the funds. We have the, we have the holes to fill. But the labors are few. But you know what some people are doing? You know, they're, they're using their gifts, the spiritual gifts that God has given them, to do everything but serve God. And I'm, again, not saying everybody needs to serve God in a full-time capacity at a church, but everybody needs to serve God as a full-time Christian. Speaking about hospitality and love, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 10, 1 Peter 4, 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, 
So even minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And again, he's talking about hospitality, and, and I do appreciate hospitality. I think churches really need to be very conscientious of hospitality. I think we need to be very aware of who's in this building or who's showing up in the parking lot. I think it starts in the parking lot. It comes to the door. Who's talking to you? I saw John back here, and he said hi to me when I first came in and others, and I appreciate that hospitable spirit because you need that in a church. I'm reading a book right now. It's uh, basically from a restaurant perspective, but it's unreasonable hospitality. I don't know if you ever heard of that. But, but we, we sometimes as a church, we just, we're, oh, yeah, we're glad you're here. I went to a church one time. Now, I've got six kids, all right? I show up to this fairly large church up in north, and, um, and I showed up to the church, and, you know, a lot of people said, hi, good to see you today. Glad to have you here today. Thank you for coming today. And I'm standing there like, I've got six kids. What am I supposed to do? Where do they go? What do I do with these kids? You know, you're supposed to help guide me. And I, I told our church, people, they need friendliness, but they need somebody to help them. Help take the next step. Where are you going? What are you doing? So hospitality, use, if you've got that kind of a gift, hospitality, it's so important for not only this ministry, but um, to be that way uh, as a Christian. So these gifts are given by the grace of God, and God's interested in good stewardship. So if you have the gift of administration, ruling, or governments, you can organize things really well. What are you doing with those in the cause of Christ? My wife and I just got back from South America. We went on a medical missions trip. Have you ever heard of MMO, medical missions outreach? My son is the international teams director, Joseph Wicks. And so we've been on a couple trips uh, with the group, and we just got back from South America. I was so impressed with that church. Here's a church in Columbia, South America, and one of the church members made an app as the people registered. Then they followed them when they came in the door to register again. They signed up for their appointment. They came and got registered. They followed them to the next station, next station, next station. The last station is getting witnessed to and then checking a box. Either they got saved or they've already been saved or they're looking for a church. And then he had five churches that he was working with and he was sending a quick text. Every one of these people got immediate response. Go follow up on this family. That's incredible. And here's just this, whoever it was in Columbia put this app together. They got some IT ability or whatever the case is. Boy, we need people like that using your gifts for the Lord in the local church. I love that. That was a great illustration for me. If you've got the ability to lead people, you do it at your work, you do it in politics, you volunteer for other things. We need some people that are gifted in leadership. If you've got the gift of mercy and helps, you help out with humanitarian efforts around the world. And I'm thankful for all those things, abortion rallies and cancer rallies and you know, schools and all these things, but use the gift, especially through the local church. You've got the gift of teaching. Well, use it through the local church. You've got the gift of exhortation. Then cheer on your pastor. Cheer on your, your co-church uh, family here. You got the gift of wisdom. Use it for the Lord. We want you to come up with some great ideas of how to win the world for Christ. You can come up with some of those ideas. You got the gift of wisdom. Healing, nurses and doctors, you can help with things. Discerning of spirits, put those antennas up. We had a very sad tragedy. We had a, a, a situation that, that somebody was messing, doing wrong and, and they got caught and, and, you know, all the whole police thing gets involved. And, and, but it's like I told our church family, boy, if you see something, say something. If you discern something wasn't quite right, I mean, how can this be that we have a, you know, hundreds of members of church but nobody said anything about antenna being up about a problem? Somebody, I was hoping somebody could have caught that. And it did get caught and it's taken care of. 
The gift of giving. I'm thankful that people give to a lot of causes. Bill Gates gave $20 billion to the Gates Foundation in July of 22. And now they've got some good causes, some you may or may not agree with. Warren Buffett, he's from Omaha, he gave billions of dollars worth of Berkshire Hathaway stock away last year, $5.4 billion in 2022, $51.5 billion in his lifetime. That's a lot of money. You know, again, other people are giving. They're givers. I'm not saying they're not givers, but you, some of you could do amazing things. We had a guy in our church, we, I mentioned about a missionary that we support in, in uh, Korea, and they were wanting to build a new building, and one of our members just, I mean, I don't usually let this happen, but he spoke up on a Wednesday night, and he said, let's raise $20,000 by next week and send it to him. It's like, <laughs> we don't allow that. <laughs> but he was an old season guy, and I said, okay. <laughs> and you know what happened? By the next week, we had 20 grand sent a degree and helped to buy a building. I just, I love that kind of stuff. The conclusion is this. Be saved, have that clear testimony of salvation, be baptized, a member of a Bible, be in church, but then be spiritual and let those spiritual gifts be used for God. C.T. Studd said it like this, only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. God's work done God's way will accomplish amazing things for you and for God's ministry. Know your gifts, covet more. You got a great church. I, I got to commend you. Obviously, you have a great church. Um, but continue, continue using your gifts here. Kids desire more spiritual gifts. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, would you please? Father and God, I thank you that this church was admonished about this matter of spiritual gifts. And if that church was admonished, no doubt churches in 2023 as well need some admonishment about spiritual gifts. I pray that you bless our people here hear this message that they would identify the spiritual gifts, that they would covet, desire even more spiritual gifts, but they'd want to use them and they'd be spiritual to use them. Speak to the hearts of the people involved here. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be spiritual. Help us to do what C.T. Studd said, this life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Help us to see it. I pray you bless these people in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.